Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate in 2003 nike signed 13 year old freddie adu to a seven-figure contract but freddie didn't live up to the hype he is turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, we are back the day after Thanksgiving. No rest, no days off. Hashtag, I think, in there somewhere. Uh, we are here with a match preview. Not just any match preview, a Spurs match preview. So it will be juicy. As always, your host, Brandon, join my Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, uh, look, I think we ranked opponents and rivals a few years back, Dan, or maybe his last season. Who knows at this point with the amount of episodes we've done. And I feel like I said Arsenal was my number one rival, but it was their steady decline and Spurs continued mediocrity, but a bit above average. They're probably my number one rival today. I'm just surprised that you would list a rival that's a mid-team, mid-table team. I mean, Arsenal are in 12th right now. That's not a rival. Well, you know, Ch- Chelsea's rivals are whoever's in the top one, two, three spots. I mean, sometimes. Disagree. But then there's also <laughs> geographic rivals, which, you know, is probably a big part of it. Um, Nick, your team played my team's rival in football today. Wished you could have performed a little bit and helped us Iowa State fans out. Thank you. Thank you for that. Really appreciate it. So, rivals, your thoughts? Not, not better. <laughs> not better at all. Arsenal is still my number one rival. I hate them with a fiery passion. Spurs have crept up the power rankings, I will say that, over the last few years. Um, cemented their place when we were over there to, to see the first home loss in 28 years. Um, so, we were clearly a jinx for that one. But uh, I think they, I think Spurs have crept ahead of United and Liverpool and maybe are second in my, or no, they're third in my most hated power rankings. It is Arsenal, Barcelona, Spurs. Is it Barcelona plus UEFA? Like, is it is a combo deal? Is it a buy one, get one? Of course one? it is. Black Friday, yeah, it, Bogo? You, you can't buy them separate. 
You have to buy them together. And that's fair. I think that's fair. I think it's probably a good excuse to solicit who you out there as a listener find to be like your top three rivals and just tag us, send them over. Well, uh, let's get that discussion engaging. But for now, we're going to focus in on this one. All right, team. That I think we all probably have a common dislike for it. I hate to use the word hate. Yeah, it, hatred's a little much probably as a word, but um, as close to hatred as possible without crossing the, the line. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Being disgusted by them, being revolted by them. There's a lot of things where you can kind of conjure up the sickly feeling that it is to just look upon them or gaze upon them. Yeah, they're definitely gross, all right? Very much you. Uh, (laughs) But look, before we get into this, Nick, kind of exciting. You're you're wearing a hat that was sent to you unsolicitedly from our friends, my neighbors in Minnesota, the Milwaukee Blues. And and it's kind of inspired a a, a thought in in your noggin. We, we've talked about this for a while, and we were like, uh, you know, just trying to think about when to kick this thing off. But the Milwaukee Blues uh, and, and our, our buddy Nick over there have sent me a couple of hats, just unsolicited. And after we bought a handful of them for ourselves, because we, we think that they do a very, very good job and, and their work is top notch. And they have a really great logo with the lion pulling the pint of beer. I think that's it's a wonderful adaptation. Um, but we were thinking about this and. Uh, Brandon has renamed this this uh, exercise we're going to do, which I think is good. It's called Merch Madness, people. That's right. Milwaukee Blues have inspired us, but we are not stopping there. We want to understand, of all the chapters and individual creators out there who are making uh, Chelsea, uh, you know, adjacent merch without crossing trademarks, let's you know, let's be safe about do it. Do yourself a favor. Don't. Yeah, do, your, <laughs> do yourself a favor. <laughs> Believe us. Um, we we want to know who's making the best stuff out there, okay? And, and all you have to do is tweet at us or send us DM, whatever it is. You don't have to be, you know, too out there if you don't want to be. But just send us what you've made, what's for sale, whatever. We will purchase at full price. We're not mm-hmm. looking for free stuff here. We'll purchase at full price your best stuff. And then what we're going to do in the month of December, hopefully, is do some sort of power ranking or bracket or something to uh, to rate the merch. And we will, at the end, do a donation to a bar staff if, if you know, if the chapter is going to a bar and the bar is struggling because of COVID, or we'll do some sort of charitable, charitable donation on the, on the you know, creator's behalf uh, to kind of pay all this stuff off. But we just, we want to find a way to give back to the, the local creators Brandon, and we think this is an interesting way to do so. Absolutely. Scarves, hats, t-shirts, mugs, masks, like whatever it is. Uh, We're really interested in seeing what's out there. Chelsea, we have a really cool fan culture here in the United States because you can't go to the matches. You know, you can't walk full on Broadway and maybe pick up souvenirs outside of the stadium. So we have to get creative and come up with our own. So we just want to highlight and see it. Again, we will pay for it and we'll go above and beyond for the ones that the rest of the Chelsea community thinks are the best. So really excited to do this. Uh, Moving into what we're going to discuss on this episode, though. Uh, The Spurs currently, and I mean, mean, yes, is an accurate word to use, impressive dominance a little bit, and and, in a couple matches, you know, they've done all right. Uh, We can talk about how Lampard might approach taking the fight to Tottenham, and subsequently Jose Mourinho. And then, obviously, wildly inaccurate predictions on starting 11 scorelines and three reasons why, which, uh, you know, I think, if anything, the three reasons why we're we're pretty good at uh, starting 11s and score predictions, you know, whatever. Uh, Dan, before we 
continue into this. Uh, it's a bit of a unique match for maybe the club at large that I think we should bring a little, shed a little light on. Yeah, and this was tweeted out by the official Chelsea account, so you know it is not fake news. But on Sunday, being Roman Bramovich's 1,000th game, 1,000th game as Chelsea owner, Lampard says the best thing he and the players can do to mark the win, uh, mark it is to win on Sunday. Lampard adds a huge thank you for everything he has done for Chelsea on and off the pitch. Especially 1,000, boys. I mean, he, he has benefited wildly as a player. He's benefiting as a manager right now. Unfortunately, Nick, I've got this this memory of a thousandth match in my head, and it didn't go well for that individual. So I, I don't want to get into it. I'm just going to avoid that. That's just the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear 1,000th match. 1,000th, <laughs> one, one uh, when, when Wenger played us, <laughs> was a 6-0 victory. So let's yeah. hope we continue in the other direction with Frank, that we get a 6-0 win over Tottenham. That's my score prediction, as you know how confident I am about these things. Understandable. Understandable. All right, let's start with uh, our opponents, uh, the Tottenham Hotspurs. Right now, they played nine in the league. They've won six. They've lost one. All right, they've drawn a couple. 21 goals, four, nine against, but only three clean sheets. All right, so uh, they are averaging over two goals a match. Uh, they are conceding far less than that um, at one a match. So obviously that would be a recipe for victory. Um, I I think that when I the way we look at it is is technically right because I don't want to say this will will be forever, but um, Spurs seem to find themselves at the top of the table right now. Right, twenty points. Uh, even with Liverpool, but again, it's, massive better goal difference. It's According, like the elephant at the top of the tree. You don't know how the hell it got up there, but you're very sure it's going to fall. It's coming down. Uh, as, as we talked about this a little bit at the end of our last pod with Matt Law, which, by the way, if you miss it, go back and listen to it. We touched on a ton of Antonio Conte stuff, and then even the uh, the Mourinho Spurs stuff at the end. Um Matt was very confident that the title will not be decided this weekend. Um, it's almost as if it's November, Brandon. Barely. And it's weird because it's, it's usually as you get December, into December, though. things are shuffled out, but we haven't played nearly as many matches as we would have normally. You are very much of the same mindset that Spurs are a good team, but this isn't going to define the season. There's much more to play for. So what is your mindset going into this, thinking with Spurs in the in the form they, they are? I mean, they're doing the Mourinho thing right now. We Every time we play Mourinho, I say the same thing. We know exactly who he is. We know exactly how he operates. We've seen the behind-the-curtains edition of this and yet every time we play a Mourinho team Chelsea fans are somehow surprised at the little you know kind of media BS that he does they're surprised at the tactical things we know who he is he hasn't changed as a manager that much but I will say that his team have surprisingly because there were times last year where I didn't think this was going to happen seem to adapt to his style of play and are playing a classic, classic Mourinho style, Dan. And this is something that, you know, when it's good with Mourinho, it's really good. 
But when it starts to turn the other way, it gets really bad in a hurry. So they're they're riding the good wave right now, but I just I don't know how long it lasts. I think the other thing, and we kind of look at the results and you go beyond the Premier League, but you consider their Europa League campaign as well. They've exceeded now 40 goals, and I think they're the mm-hmm. first team in Europe that has scored 40. And again, they're you know, a, a team like Tottenham playing in the Europa League is kind of like a cheat code a little bit. So let's say that their stats were buffered just a touch. But still, that's actually almost a little bit more of the opposite of Mourinho. When you see them winning matches you know, with two goals, three goals a game, that's not the typical way that he has done that. And so I almost feel like they might be in that first half of the season mode. And last time Mourinho won the title with us where that we were winning matches a little bit more comprehensively, maybe a little bit more attacking, finding ways to score two, three plus goals in a match. My question is, when does the other shoe drop for this side? And it might be soon considering Alderweireld out is out now for three to four weeks Tottenham played 10 games over that stretch. That's a super concern because I think outside of Kane and Son might be one of their most important players. I actually think Koiberg might be the, the other one there. So I, I guess I don't know, Brandon. I I don't necessarily know if this is actually I would describe it as typical Mourinho other than that they are gelling with an identity and they're finding a way to win. Maybe allow me to take this. They, they are not Chelsea 0405 Mourinho. What they are is the more recent version of Mourinho, right? The, at times, very conservative, hit you on the counter attack, kind of do every, you know, kind of grind it into the dirt every, like, there is a, there's that aspect of of the Mourinho system, as you saw them play Man City last week, that is very alive and well. The question is, as they go deeper in the season, Brandon, as, as the pressure ramps up, as some of their players likely get hurt or they're out for COVID or whatever the case is, right? Can they maintain the form? No. Or does they have it to drop? have an injury-free season to to pull it off. So like That's, they're they're exactly they're they're balancing on a knife's edge. You know, to Dan's point about look, they are pummeling people, Dan, in the Europa League. All right. They are pummeling Maccabi Haifa. Okay. They are pummeling Lask. They are pummeling Ludogorets. I write that off. You go to the Premier League, they lost to Everton, who were high-flying at the beginning of the season. They pummeled Southampton 5-2. I'll give them that. They drew Newcastle. Um, they pummeled Man United. All right, we do remember that. Red yes, card, they did. Obviously. Drew West Ham 3-3. All right, beat Burnley 1-0. Beat Brighton 2-1. Beat West Brom 1-0. And now they beat City 2-0. The majority of their Premier League matches are very tight. And so I think that's why we see that they only have a plus 12 goal difference in the Premier League, right? While in the Europa League, apparently it's plus 37. Just very different levels of competition. The good news, they played Thursday. We played Tuesday. You know, they are far less rested than we are. And that matters. We remember the days when we were coming out of Europa League days and having to play on the weekend, and it sucks. The turnaround is just brutal. Yeah. So we got a couple things going our way. I think that we are a very confident group right now. Uh, Lampard did the double over Mourinho last season, which was just a huge thing. 
and I think we'll touch on a little bit of that too. But overall, yeah, like Spurs are in a good position right now. Um, I just think that they're much. I I feel like our clean sheet record and run shows that we're much more solid than they are. And if they have a good day, they have a good day. If not, you know, I don't think they're going to score a lot of goals. And I think that's where I'm going to get into my predictions later, um, pulling on some of these results. I do think it's crazy, and you put this tweet in here from at Cartilage Free, uh, which is the, the SB Nation Spurs page. They said, the good Toby's injury is only two to four weeks. The bad Tottenham played 10 matches in that time frame, which is wild. Silly season right now, man. Honestly, how many matches have we lost to Christian? You know, like we get it. We're right in that same situation. But again, just reading it and putting in that perspective is crazy. So um, I don't know. I'm assuming you put the recent history in here because you're uber confident that we're just going to mop them. Well, it's more the the contrast between how Frank has done versus Lamp, uh, or you know, versus Mourinho, which I think is an important thing to consider because you, he does. You have- did my you did my Werner v Timo thing. <laughs> yes, in your face, Dan. Frank well, v Lampard. A little, little bit of the trip to fame still. <laughs> well, look, I mean, we we won two nothing, and we won again two one, and you know, outside of a you know penalty shootout, you know, we potentially could have won another match against them in a cup competition this season to start off. So, you know, it's it's good form that Frank has had in, you know, being the Padawan to the Jedi Master. You know, he's definitely been able to get one over on uh, old Jose. Well, it matters too, though, be, like because Mourinho week is all mental games. It, it, like, we, again, we have, if you are a Chelsea fan, you're listening to this show, Look at your Mourinho playbook. You have it in your brain already. It exists. It's just a file you have to click open. Everything that goes into the press this week, all the pregame nonsense, all the mind games, all the whatever, it's all how Mourinho gets an edge. So it, it is. it does matter that Chelsea dominated Spurs at their place in September Except for a crappy late goal that led to extra time in a penalty shootout. Or actually, no extra time. It was just a penalty shootout in the Carabao Cup. And, you know, of course, that was Mendy's first game, and we lost it on penalties. It does matter. Like, it it does matter that Chelsea have beat them twice last year in pretty comprehensive fashion. That Spurs result, the first Spurs result, is many people's favorite match of last season because it was so comprehensive. So I, I do think that there's something to do here, and I think Frank does have a decent leg to stand on. I think that we have a lot of confidence going into this match. It doesn't mean things can't go sideways, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it doesn't mean that it's not impossible for us to go out there and control a match and take it to them. We know they're going to sit back. They're going to look for counterattacks. You know, if we can play composed you know, out of the back, uh, Mendy's much more settled right now. I think our lineup is much more settled much more settled than than obviously earlier this season um you just feel really good and again if you know spurs have to go to the bench later in the match looking for something there's not a lot there to look for all right but if we have potentially christian pulisic healthy you have guy Averts on the bench potentially uh you have olivia Giroud to come in like we have guys to come in so right now while the table says what it says i feel good going against these this this lot at Spurs, and we'll kind of get into why uh, with our predictions and, and really there, kind of. There's only our- there's only one area where Jose Mourinho is winning versus Frank Lampard right now, and that's an Instagram. 
Jose Mourinho is having a ball. He's posting fun photos. Him eating snacks. Him giving out legs of ham to players. We've, you know, Frank Lampard hasn't posted since the beginning of the year because he's focused on the game. He's focused when, on the matches at hand. When things are good with Mourinho, we know this. Things are great. It feels like you're invincible. And and they're probably, you know, to give Spurs credit, they, they are probably feeling that way right now. Mm-hmm. They're probably feeling like it's us against the world. You know, it's the same stuff that we went through, right? But as you saw in the Amazon series last year, when things get weird, when results, fluky results go against you, or you get dominated as a Marino team, the wheels fall off. And this could be, if we if we look at it from an opportunist opportunistic perspective, which I am not uh, akin to do very often, th- we could start the demise of their season this weekend, <laughs> and I would love nothing more than that. I, I think I want this to be a bit of a nasty battle between our sides. I really am looking forward to Mason, to Kai, to Conte, particularly in the midfield, just being. No, rough, rough and tumble. Ma- Mason loves getting stuck in. We we saw him be a bit of a bastard in a few matches and gets chippy. I mean, he's definitely not afraid to. We have we have the ability to. I think that's good to your point, right? Uh, obviously, if Kovacic is in there, you know he'll he'll hip check someone, throw him to the ground. Obviously, we have to worry about um, one of the the I think just one of the most uh, the dirtier players in in Lamella. Uh, you know, that's out there. He so, is dirty. Delhi's dirty too. I mean, Delhi, unfortunately, you know, for that though, is not playing really. So, uh, you know, there's that. So what I was going to wrap this up with real quick was that, well, I like the idea it could ruin their season. I would say, even if we lose this, I feel like we're in a much more stable ground than they are. I think if we lose it, it's still like we're in good place. If they lose it, it's wobble time, you know, Spurs being Spursy. On the other flip side, this is classic Mourinho time where things are going his way and you're like, shit, this could just be a continuation of things start to go their way a little bit. Uh, The players get stuck in. I mean, they're supposed to be this like super talented attacking team. They now sit behind the ball and just break on the counterattack. They're not playing lovely football, right? They are um, just hitting on the break. And to be fair, counterattacks can be very, very attractive. But overall, it's not an attractive style. And I think that's where, um, you know, like you said, Mourinho's at his best, and we have to go dismantle that. So I have a couple ideas why, um, but we're going to take a real quick break. When we're back, we're going to say thank you to these sponsors for financially supporting the show. Uh, And then we're going to get into our predictions and where Chelsea at. So we'll be right back. 2020 has been hard enough. And you know what? Worrying about your routine for taking care of business below the belt shouldn't have to be one of those things you're concerned about. Thankfully, our friends at Manscaped are making your life simple, and they're going to allow you to turn your bathroom with a snap into your very own private. This is the exact copy from the text. Dong Salon. You know, they're, they're concerned about your bangers and mash. They don't want it to look like a mess. You know, they don't want it to be the worst get it bangers and mash and worst anyway they just released their products in the uk canada and australia the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with the advanced skin safe technology that helps reduce grooming accidents that's plus waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower and for up to 90 minutes hopefully not all in one sitting and they also released their shears 2.0 nail kit which is the perfect add-on for their lawnmower 3.0 trimmer their perfect package 
pun intended, comes with two free gifts and other liquid formulations to help complete your ball trimming routine. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraffin-free, if you know what all those are, to keep your, yes, this is in the text too, disco stick in good hands. Look, you're probably thinking about it. You know, you want to keep yourself smelling fresh. You've got the crop preserver for keeping the odor to a minimum downstairs. They've got a crop reviver toner that is spray on for the jewels. And then they've also got a foot duster deodorant. So good, you can even reduce the odor of the dirtiest feet. All these things sound great. And you know what? They got a code for our listeners London is blue. It's a 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. And so, you know, if you want to protect the package and not uh, not have it be the worst, uh, go hit it up now. Manscaped.com. Use the code LONDONISBLUE for 20% off plus free shipping. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with the free $75 credit at Indeed.com forward slash podcast this is their best available offer anywhere go right now to indeed.com forward slash podcast terms and conditions apply offer valid through september 30th all right now turning our sights to chelsea uh kick it off how else than with the tweet from naz lampard said everyone everyone is fit for tottenham quote christian pulisic is back in contention for fitness end quote uh naz continues to tweet on whether pulisic will start quote ready to start is a question mark it is hard to gauge match fitness end quote lamps <laughs> is looking forward to this even though matt law threw some uh some some dust in our eyes a little bit with his concern for pulisic's injury dam but he's fit everyone's fit everyone's in contention that means at least three goalkeepers on the bench this weekend let's go remember when we in the early days of the season or maybe what we considered a very short preseason, there was concern about all the fitness situations we were going to find ourselves in. And look, I'm doing everything from knocking on wood to signs of the cross to whatever, salt over the shoulder, because I'm about to say something. But isn't it nice, Nick, to be in a world where we're going into a match day, everybody is fit, and the manager now has the opportunity to make full use of the side, have full selection, and I think with the caveat that Christian also called out by Lampard isn't necessarily maybe match fit, which means that he might not start. But again, everybody's healthy and available for selection. Read between the lines. Christian is back in contention for fitness. He's not back in contention for the match. He's not going to play on Sunday. I guarantee it. Hmm. He's not going to play. And like, and honestly, it makes sense if he doesn't. Like, he's coming back from a hamstring injury that clearly wasn't healed the first time. 
and it got tweaked again. And it's only been two or three weeks since he, he got tweaked again. These are nagging injuries that can upset your entire season if they're not handled properly. And of course it's making Timo leggy because Christian usually occupies the spot on the left, but he's not playing guys. Like I, I like if he does, it means he's a, a magical healer and has just, you know, that hamstring is, is good to go, but I can't imagine a world where he plays on Sunday. I think it's a smoke screen and it wouldn't be the first time Brandon that Lampard's done this either. Christian is back in contention for fitness. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Lampard will not offer anything up when it comes to lineup and selections. Maritza sorry on the other hand, pfft, he had no secrets. He'll tell you everything. You know he's going to play. It doesn't you matter knew, if he's You knew the lineup. <laughs> exactly. You know, Lampard, no chance. Not given any edge. He keeps his cards close to his chest. So with that being said, is we, we have to pick lineups. You know, we have to see... Who, who we are predicting will make the start based on the information we have. And thankfully, we get to do this after a Lampard presser. Um, but I, I will kick it off because I'm throwing out that 3-4-3 three, three vibe. All right? I think we've seen Same. him use it to be successful. I want to see him maybe shake things up. It seems to work against this side, especially if Spurs are in a similar formation. Um, so I've got Mendy in goal, Rudiger, Zuma, Silva, not in that exact order, but in the back three, uh, Reese James, Mason Mount, and Golakante, Ben Chilwell, which I almost went with Alonzo just because of his record against Spurs. And then you realize what Alonzo did to piss off Lampard and we'll probably never see him again. So, you know, he's in witness protection, man. You're not, you're not going to see him, man, for a long time. Yeah. He's got a new name, has a new family. This is his perfect opportunity, but uh, we're not going to see him. And then I've got Timo, Tammy, and Hakim Ziyech up top. So obviously, Nick, shake your head all you want while I read that off for the listeners that can't see you. Uh, what does your formation look like? I also went with 3-4-3. I see that you copied my beard, which is nice. Um, that's a Got to clean it up. Record. I'm a mess. Fair enough. All right, whatever. Um, you, made, you made the Thor reference to the wrong person on this podcast. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good, really good point. Clean shaven Captain America over here. Um, all right, I'm going Mendy, Reese James, P, obviously. That's uh, yeah, that's on me. Silva, I, ret- I retract my Rudiger statement. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I was shaking my head. Like, what are you doing? Photo Silva, Zuma, Chili B, backline, Conte, uh, Mount, midfield, yeah. important. Yeah, because Mount started playing back there for England. I think that is a precursor of things to come. Because my front three is Werner, Tammy, and Ziyech, and I think that the protection does does a couple of things for you, Dan. The the first thing is it allows you to sit some players back in case of counterattack, which is what you're most worried about from Spurs in this game. It's not that they're going to dominate possession or anything like that, and it gives you crucial width to kind of get out of a midfield struggle with uh, with Hoybier and, and whoever else they put in midfield, whether it's Winks or it's Musa Sissoko or whoever. Um, and I think there's, there's real merit just given how we played against them last year. It would not shock me if Olivier Giroud starts this match. But I have not predicted that. It would not shock me. I, I, just, I, I don't see 
I understand the tactical reasonings why you would go a 3-4-3. I do. I just don't think Frank is going to make that big a switch when the 4-3-3 that we have played and gotten into a really good rhythm with and has continued to produce results and success across multiple different types of styles of play over the last few matches, people playing deep, people playing, you know, wanting to go toe to toe with us. It's been able to be resilient in that. And it's given, I think, the freedom to some of our best players. When you think about Chilwell being able to get forward, Reese being able to get forward, really making the flanks competitive. You potentially bring, you know, Kai Havertz back in now too. Like I just, I just don't foresee. So kind of getting to my lineup and talking to it. I don't see a world where he breaks away from the 4-3-3, which is why I think it's Mendy, you know, James, Silva, Zuma, Chilwell, the solidified back five. You go with Conte, Mount, Havertz, bring him back in now that he's potentially back kind of to full fitness. And then you do Werner, Abraham, and Ziyech. And I get the concerns potentially about minutes for, for Werner, but I want to use the pace against, you know, Regulon and Aurier, and the whomever is going to be the backup to Alderweireld, which I think he had mentioned that it was going to be uh, Rodon, the Welsh player, as the kind of partner then to Dyer. I want them tested. And if you have Tammy up there, if you have Werner up there, and you have Ziyech with some cross balls, I think you're going to test this back line of Spurs pretty significantly and force them into some really tough situations. Doing what we've done so far this season the concern would be if they do four two three one obviously midfield numbers you know i'm I'm just thinking if they love counterattacking, i mean that 33 percent possession against city nick so it's like you're just more secure to to absorb some of that and almost like hit them on a you counter their counter that that's my whole thing right so there's three reasons why i picked this uh the three four three instead of the four three three First is you're worried about the counter of San primarily, uh, who is, you know, I think unequivocally, you know, the second best player on the team besides Harry Kane. Uh, you're, you're worried about Harry Kane now playing a false nine, which he has over the last handful of weeks. He's now more of a distributor in their, in their offensive attack than he is, you know, kind of a primary goal scorer, although he still does that. He's, he's playing very well this season, to be fair. And the final thing is you're just worried you're, – you're not worried, but you you don't want to forfeit the midfield in my estimation, but you want to keep them honest on the wings so that because they're going to have this unique kind of defensive shape, th- their instinct is going to be to pack it in. They'll play narrow. Right? Mm-hmm. To keep, keep it real tight. Don't let anything in front. If you keep it wide, there's more space – for uh, for some of our attacking players, namely Hakim Ziyech, to to roll in, so I, I see it both ways. I think Dan makes a convincing argument on on attacking a inexperienced defender for sure, and and trying to make sure that you know we keep them on the back foot. I just don't want them to get into that you know that West Ham. We're gonna throw like seriously like eight in a row in a square right in front of goal because that's hard. It's a, it's interesting, and um, I guess the. The, the thought is just because of the formation that, you know, for you, Nick, Havertz gets. Because yeah, I don't think Havertz think is healthy, by the way. I don't think it's healthy I don't know. I just I, I foresee this actually as a game where you're going to want 
those ability to kind of break balls through potentially some some narrow channels and his ball control, you know, he says ball control is going to be really important in this game. Well, and and you have the opportunity too if you think about like in my scenario, Zuma is a or no, sorry, Silva as the mm. sweeper, sorry, is is able to step up and take away maybe some Ferry Kane's playmaking ability because he's already kind of that more forward of the three center backs. I worry about if Harry Kane finds pockets, Brandon, are we able to find a solution, whether it's in Golo Conte or, you know, Kovacic or someone in a 4-3-3, whoever it is, to, to man mark him? Because if you take him out of that point of attack, I think they very much struggle to score goals. You, you, some, like, if you watch the way that City played him, uh, you know, Rodri didn't, necessarily man mark him and and Rodri's supposed to be their deep lying you know midfielder so that's the only thing I worry about is Harry the Harry Kane's evolved this season into more of a playmaker you know number 10 striker kind of role correct I think listeners let us know where you sit on the 4-3-3-3-4-3 maybe even 4-2-3-1 and just kind of see because we've seen Lampard sometimes like to go toe-to-toe with them Again, you don't necessarily know what formation they're going to be in. Uh, they're down a center back, so um, it, it, it could be a little bit of a gamble. And then we get out there, and they're not lined up the way we think they are. How can they adjust and, and shift? So uh, as Dan wrote in here, who are the Sheffield players that uh, we should be most afraid of? But I'm going to pivot, okay? <laughs> I'm going to pivot and, and say, look, I, Dan, I think we, we should not talk about them this week. I think we should focus on Tottenham. You're getting ahead of yourselves. I think, we, I think we play Sheffield Bam. in like March, okay? But let's focus on this weekend, and we need to know <laughs> who the most afraid of. Look, I will agree with you, Dan. It is Huming Sun. Yeah, there's no one else that I am more terrified of. On the break, he's been really, really good this season. You know, Nick made the mention to how Harry Kane has been a distributor, and he has set Sun up on some really fantastic runs, and it's going to be incumbent upon Silva and Zuma and Conte really to have the best communication that they have had in any match because the moment that Kane gets a spot to release Son, it's going to be up to probably a foot race between, I would imagine, Zuma and Son. And I am confident in Zuma's ability to uh, m- you know, mark him down and limit the the shot and Mendy's ability to maybe save in close corners with a quick reaction but to me, Brandon, he is he's the one we have to be afraid of and the one that is going to draw maybe some extra attention from our defenders. All right. Ditto. Nick, over to you. I got a weird one. Yeah, indeed. Uh, of course. Of of all the Spurs players that I've seen, I've, you know, because every match is kind of staggered on its own now with, with COVID, I've been able to watch Spurs more often than I would like, typically. Um, I think... Hoybier is a really, really important player for them. And not because I'm necessarily afraid of him, because he, he's really more of the defensive midfielder, right? He He's their version of Nemanja Matic or, or whoever you would kind of equate in that position. But he has allowed some of their playmakers to go do their thing. And he he has provided such cover that it's I think it's going to be harder to break them down if he's having a good game, if he's kind of sitting back and kind of marshalling in front of the back line in a back line that could be, you know, obviously with, with some less uh, experienced players back there. 
So I, I would just want to take him out of his stride, maybe foul him early, get him on the red mist, maybe like try and stretch the field wide so that he has more area to cover. Because I think if you lose him, you're in a good position to, to really do what Dan wants to do, and that's attack a back line that can be suspect. All right, well, fair play. Dan and I are thinking, how can they hurt us? You're looking at saying, if we can pick OABA apart, like we're going to have access to to attempts at goal. So, I, I, look, you're just coming at it from a different way. I, I, think, I think he's makes... their most important player. Yeah, yeah, all right. Um, all right, we'll, we'll get into the, the three reasons why then. All right, so we'll obviously start off with why Chelsea are going to walk away with all three points. Um, Dan, I guess I can go ahead and let you start it off. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It's so, Don't so, so kind. So kind. Look, uh, in the league, Spurs have converted uh, in 43% of their shots on target to goals, which is extremely high. Comparatively, we have converted 34%, and so... Uh, it will tease into what my reason why we would draw or lose, but it, it's going to be a defensive masterclass. And we've done a good job of limiting shots. You know, we need to continue to limit high quality shots and put Spurs in a position where they 60 minutes in 70 minutes in we're up a goal, we're up two goals and they have to now start playing a little bit differently because Mourinho is not going to want to walk away with zero points at a minimum. He's going to want to walk away with one and it forces them to change how they play, we need to get ahead early. But I think if we can continue to force them into situations where they have low quality shots and minimal shots on target, we have done the work we need to do to then, you know, the defense can then say, look, we've done everything we could do to get us to the point where we can win this game. Like now it's up to the offense. We're at home. I know we don't have the fans there yet, but we're at home. So we, we, we got to take care of business at Stanford Bridge. Uh, Nick, what about you? I put connected tissue here because I think it's really important, especially in my lineup, to not get too many gaps between the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, so I, I really want a connected team performance. And that means defense to midfield, midfield to the attacking three, to ensure that we aren't losing the ball with a lot of space. I, w- I want to make sure that you know, and I think typically in a three-four-three, we do a very good job of this. You know, there, there's good ball switching all over the field. There's good passing between the final third um, kind of players, and and so I think this is a reason why we could win because I, you know, it's going to stretch them. You know, and, and the more you kind of get defensive players out of their little, you know, kind of comfort zones, I think the more successful we're going to be. So I want to make sure that we do that, and um, it's it's kind of why I had Mount in my midfield too, because I think mm-hmm. he is connective tissue between the attack and, and the midfield. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm just super inflammatory. And I said, Lampard's better than Jose. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Lights so, match. Not on clear. <laughs> the way it's gone, Lampard's gotten the better of Jose minus, you know, the league cup, which is a draw. So three and one, t- not bad on the tilt. Uh, I'm going to go and back lamps right now. Um, which means, by the way, he's got to get the selection right. He's got to get the team lineup right. He's got to get the team shape right. Uh, thankfully, the players are playing really well right now. So you'd hope that um, he's got a little bit more room to, to you know, margin for error. Uh, but if he doesn't get it right, how can he turn it around? You got three subs. 
You got to find a way to make it work. Well, Brandon, and that's what we talked about in the Ren match is that if we're coming back into the pod talking about subs and how good the subs were, you're also talking about most likely how incorrect the starting 11 was to actually go out and take the game. So good thing to, to call out and good point. All right. Uh, why Chelsea could drop points this Sunday? Uh, I guess, Dan, we'll, we'll go back to you in the running order. <laughs> well, and, and I tease this with the reasons why we'd win, but our shot conversion is 34% in the Premier League. And so we are taking actually a high volume of shots. We are just not converting our chances. And I think people will point to Timo's miss over the weekend that, you know, in the future, when we can all meet again together, we will definitely put some crosses into the box for Nick and see if he can convert from a similar situation. 100%. I got this shit. I'm ready. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's a matter of, you know, we're, we're going to get opportunities. You know, this this team is not bereft of goal scorers, and particularly with the switcher ball that, that Ziyech with Reese with Chilwell offering tons of service into some pretty tall forward players, you know, especially if Havertz is back into that as another tall guy in the mix. But I just don't see a world where we won't have taken double digit shots. And most likely I, I would hope that we've taken, you know, nine to 10 shots on target just need to convert, you know, let's, let's try to convert a little bit more than the average so that we can go ahead and take all three points. Well, and our, our friend Ollie Glanville shared that zoomed in clip of Ziesh and Werner after he, he missed the shot that eventually led to Giroud's header against Wren. And it, it was basically like, you got to finish that, bro. Like, <laughs> I gave you a peach. Like, you know, like, and it's, it's, it's who Ziyech is as a person. Um, I think the reason why we could lose is we get Mourinho'd. You know, they do what they did against City. They sit back. They wait for the perfect counter. They have three shots on goal. They finish one or two of them you know, per their, per their percentages and they eke one out, you know, it's, it's the way that I think they're going to play. And Chelsea just has to be ready. You know, Chelsea can dominate the ball without being in their final third, the whole team, you know, like I, I think we have to be careful to, to balance it out a little bit. And I think this team is ready to do that. But it, it, it could happen. Yeah, that's what we complained about. Mirza, sorry, we possess in our defensive third and middle third. We are never, you know, in dangerous areas to that point. That's where we need to occupy. Uh, mine's mine's similar, right? You know, if Spurs go out there and have themselves a day. They, you know, they can be a top team. We haven't even talked about Gareth Bale. Just think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Like, Gareth Bale is on that roster. Gareth Bale has been on vacation playing golf for the last three, four seasons. So he is a world-class player on his day who can change a game, who can take over a game. We've seen him do it. And so Spurs have the players to absolutely have themselves one and walk away with it. And so I think that's something that we also have to acknowledge and respect is that if they show up and are running 10 out of 10, there might not be much we can do about it. Now, the good news is I feel really confident that's not going to happen and we can t line up to them toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Okay. Fair. So now the cherry on top, the score predictions. All right. So I may or may not have changed mine a couple times throughout this episode. <laughs> the more we talk about it, the more it weighs on me. It sits in a little bit. So, Dan, I stole your 2 1. Well, uh, there you go. There you have it. You know, as long as it just goes down a record that you followed me, I'm completely okay. I think that we can score a couple. 
you know, against Man City, they gave up 22 shots, right? They gave up like nine on target, okay? If, mm-hmm. if Chelsea get nine on target and we're scoring at 34%, we get three. You know, we, we maybe have some VAR points, right? Huming Song getting sent <laughs> off last season. Like, there there's some things that we can do. I feel like we can hit a couple. Yuris is good. He's pretty good. But we've seen him let in some some pretty weak goals. So... I'm confident we can knock in a couple, but again, I, I respect them enough to say, even with our really solid defensive lineup, like I would be surprised if they can't get one just the in the form they're at. So I don't know, Dan, I, if I think, that two one plays out differently for you, but if so, you're wrong. Well, I, you know, I think we'll take shots. I'm hoping that we take a variety of opportunities. I'd be okay with a Arizuma header, you know, if a set piece or corner kick, I'm completely cool with that. I'm okay with. Werner taking a penalty. (laughs) (laughs) Look, he's allowed to step pad. That's perfectly fine. Um, If Ziyech takes one from outside the box, I think that's actually the interesting one is will one of the players take, you know, be bold enough to take a shot and kind of really test Lloris from distance and see if he's up for the challenge. I mean, Lloris is, you know, definitely a, a you know really solid keeper in the Premier League, and you know I think you should try to put him on his toes and make him think that everything is going to be coming at him and not make his day easy. So, you know, uh, let Reese uncork one, let Conte do a fun little bouncer between three people, triple nutmeg again. Let's go, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, you we have to remember. I think Alonso's nutmeg Reese two or three times since he came to Chelsea. Probably <laughs> scored about six on it too. Just <laughs> so, in general, I like. He is a good keeper, and like certainly on his day, Can is is hard is hard to beat. But yeah, like how many good days does Yuris have left? You know, the percentages would say less less than Mendy for sure uh, at this stage. And I'm not saying that we have to put him out the pasture, Dan. As you're like laughing at me, I was like, he's not dead. He's, how he's, many good days does he's does he 34 have left? years old? He's old yeah. now. Like, Spurs need a contingency plan big time on that. Yeah, like it's it's whatever. So I'm going with a one one draw, which I know people are gonna be like, boo, Nick, he's the worst. And like you predict a loss though, so I mean that that's you know progress. One one draw to me, this game screams draw. It just screams it. It's it, Spurs come into the bridge, it's Mourinho being Mourinho, it is a turgid Hard to watch kind of match, probably. And, you know, I think both teams score a scrappy goal. And Chelsea probably missed more good chances than Spurs do and are going to feel aggrieved after this. But the other thing to remember is a draw is not the worst thing in the world at the end of this. And, Mm -hmm. if you know, if we are able to draw or win, our position improves dramatically because this is one of those top six matchups that we – didn't always play the best in last year, to be honest. And Unless it was Spurs. Right. And so far this year, we're picking up points on on the same, you know, kind of slate of matches than we did last year. So I, I think, you know, since we beat Spurs twice last year, let's just, you know, be honest about where the table is and and the fact that we're a deeper, better team than they are in general. I You know, we're going to benefit in the long term this season on depth than than what they have. They're just playing as best as they can in the moment. To to your point about the draw, I remember making an emphatic statement on 
on the Premier League production show. Love an emphatic statement, by the way. When we played United, I said there's no chance it's nil-nil because just the way the teams were. (laughs) We were both leaking goals. We were both scoring goals. But both managers looked at it as a huge opportunity to not drop points, you know, to to not make a mistake, not be too open. So to your point, you know, maybe Lampard is saying, hey, I just can't lose the big ones and we go beat up on the other 14, 15 teams in the league. And at the end of the day, if if we bleed less points from the top four, top five than the, than the opponents. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be Lampard thinking that, by the way. I think it's Jose thinking that. Because a, a draw, while, while Liverpool and, and whatever could, could maybe leapfrog them, Leicester could maybe leapfrog them with a draw, they're still right in it, right? Like, uh-huh. for Mourinho, I think it's just the preservation of the ability to clot back at some point in the season, whereas... Chelsea, I think, are in the position where if they start to, if they put the Conte thirteen match streak in a in a row, right, the league could be really weird in February. It could, you you could have two teams that are gaps ahead, just like you had a couple of years ago with City and Liverpool, and you know I think Chelsea are looking at this thing long term, whereas I think Spurs are just trying to hold everything they have. Uh, well, when you look at the like you talk about that top four top you know, five grouping this weekend. So Chelsea Spurs, you know, one versus three based upon, um, you know, Spurs and Liverpool being separated by goal difference, us and Leicester being separated by goal difference. Leicester plays Fulham. So three points. Congratulations. <laughs> Done. Easiest bet. you Come can on, make Ruben. Ruben, help <laughs> us. Responsibly. Um, so that would put them up in 21, right? Liverpool get the benefit of playing Brighton, who are not, you know, an automatic three, but more likely than not, Liverpool would win. So Liverpool, you know, 23 points with Virgil van Dijk out, getting to the top of the table. Regard, You know, only Spurs could match them in that regard. And so our calculus could be that if Leicester wins, Liverpool wins, if Spurs win, then we go from third kind of tight within it to now seeing some of the point separation happening. So I, I definitely see the point about like the not wanting to lose mentality. But I think there's also looking at it as like staying with the pack is going to be really important this season and not falling away. Two points here, three points there is going to, will accumulate quickly with the way that the next couple fixtures hit. You know, when we have, you know, the fact that we could play leads coming up this weekend, uh, you know, kind of following, then you go through just, you know, more Champions League matches. You've got you know, Wolves coming up, West Ham coming up, Arsenal coming up. It's going to be a crazy effing December. December is going to be bonkers. As Lexus would say, a December to remember. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, look, uh, it's, it's, uh, if you need a reason to join our, our Discord, they've been playing a fun game of share a thing you hate about Spurs. Uh, so <laughs> if you're looking for a group of friends, I think they are a great group that you should should hang out with. So anyways, uh, careful on Twitter. All right? just It's going to get dicey. It's going to get spicy. It's going to get heated. Uh, don't say anything you're going to regret. Let's go out there and hopefully Frank and the boys do the business and we can gloat on Sunday as we record our match review. But hey, there is a lot of business to take care of for that to happen. I know we're entering into uh, visions of sugar plum season, but visions of of Frankie Showtime Blues celebrating in front of an empty shed end at the end of the match while we all are in unison 
at home. It's it's giving me the tingles. It's giving me the tingles. Just want to let that settle in. Settle let, in. Let the tingles. Let the tingles. The tingles. All right, anyways, Chelsea fans, uh, that's going to wrap us up. Hope you've enjoyed the fourth episode this week on this holiday week. Um, there's no shortage of content. Uh, we are going to take Saturday off, Sunday off. Uh, we're going to do the match review, and then we'll be back Monday, as we always are, uh, to recap what happened. So, anyways, listeners, get involved. Like I said, the Discord is on fire right now. Um, jump on their social media as well. Line up score predictions, uh, why we could win, why we could drop points. There's, there's a lot of things to talk about. But Nick and Dan, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Listeners, you are the best, as always. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap us up for this one. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.